0: Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read, me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance. Good Girl by Stacey Gale, a novella from the world of The House of Pain. I'm what you call a good girl, though boring girl might be more accurate serena daniels works as a pediatric nurse and she's not exactly knee-deep in eligible bachelors the last time she asked a man out he stood her up then didn't bother to contact her for weeks clearly she isn't the only one who thinks she's boring just how bad could this good girl get life is a string of crazy messes and brilliant moments for real estate mogul lorenzo salvatore and he never knows which one he's going to get next on the one hand He's got a traumatized son who is his whole world. On the other, he's got the smart-mouthed nurse he stood up. Getting back into Serena's good graces will be tough, but with those bedroom eyes and killer legs becoming the center of his fantasies, he won't stop until he gets her right where he wants her, in bed. The Bad and the Good Getting together with Lorenzo would definitely liven up Serena's life, but Lorenzo's made it clear that he and his son are a package deal. When it seems that Lorenzo wants is a new mother for his boy, will Serena be willing to settle for that when her heart wants so much more? This novel is a standalone romance featuring characters first introduced in House of Pain, Sage. While an ex-wife is mentioned, there are no love triangles, no cheating, and no cliffhangers. ATA guaranteed. Due to adult language and sexual content, this novel is not intended for people under the age of 18. That's Good Girl by Stacy Gale. Go grab it now. Broken Hearts by Molly O'Keefe is live today. Ronan, his name thumbs through me like a heartbeat. I climbed out of the smoldering crater of my life only to find myself back in the middle of a slow motion train wreck. I'm hunted, torn between my past and present ripped apart by two warring families. My husband is dead and his killer is the only man who's ever felt the deep well of emotion I keep hidden from the world, Ronan. Vicious and scarred, his rough touch is seared into my skin, but his soft caresses are what break down my walls bit by bit until there's only me left. My soul in his bloody hands and my broken heart beating just for him, only him, Ronan. My shadowy protector, my phantom lover, kiss me or kill me, I don't care, as long as you're the one who does it. That's Broken Heart by Molly O'Keefe, live today. Go grab it!
1: Hey guys, welcome back to another week.
0: Hey, we're back with a second installment of Heavy Equipment by Sky Warren. I know you can't wait for it. It's so dirty. <laughs> it's so dirty.
1: I always get a sick pleasure off when it ends in a really like, light- dirty
0: spot for people <laughs> did you see so last week we played sweet enough to eat and the moderators from our from the headquarters group like messaged us in our group chat and they were like oh my god that cliffhanger <laughs> from like tuesday's <laughs> episode i guess it was like i can i don't even know what part it stopped at but i think it's when they get stuck together because it's about like he has a piercing and i think like they get sort of entangled a little bit <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was so fun to write. I actually forgot about it until I was listening to the episode and I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot about that, that part in the story. It was so good. It was so a fun book. They were both like, oh my God, Kim can you left us hanging like that. And I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a little sick satisfaction to that, I'll be honest. <laughs> I haven't asked you in forever, but what are you reading? I, I didn't read anything when we were on vacation at Disney and since we've been back... I've been I'll tell you well, I'll just tell you my I've been listening to You Had Me at Ola and it's by Alexis Daria and I love it so far. It was recommended a long time ago and it's our book of the month for April. If you're part of Read Me Romance Headquarters, we like to do a book of the month that we uh, talk about and discuss, and we do a live chat. So you can join us if you want to. Uh, that's the book bu- bu- the book we're reading right now. Like I said, is you had you had me at Ola by Alexis Daria, and it the premise. I didn't know anything about it going into it, and it is about a young actress, and she is on set with her new leading man, and. He's a little bit older, and he's been doing. I think it's called telenovela, uh, the the Spanish speaking like uh, dramas and stuff they have on TV. Uh-huh. He is a like um like a career actor on those sort of like super over dramatic over the top. and they're creating this new show that's gonna be like on mainstream TV. And the two of them like have their own like personal lives and stuff. And you know, he's very private. He's got a lot hidden. and she just broke up with like this pop star. and so her name's all over the media, and it's like she's a big scandal. And it's about the two of them like trying to build their career, but also like, They're kind of falling for each other at the same time. So it's really interesting on how it's happening because they play characters. And so like every couple of chapters, they'll have a scene from the show. And in the show, they're ex-husband and wife. And they broke up because like they both worked like crazy hours. They were both like... Um, they just sort of lost each other, you know, in their uh-huh. busy careers. And so they're back together and they're falling in love on the show. So they have these moments on the show where they're like playful and teasing and all of a sudden they're kissing and they're like, we can't do this, you know, and it's like, and then they go back to reality where they're like flirting and talking and it, they're taking it slow. And it's like, but it's still so sexy and sweet and like, I'm loving the shit out of it. The narrator on it is beautiful, and I love the voice, and it's it's so nice, and the fucking food. Every time they talk about food in this book, I'm like, I'm hungry. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) I know. It's such good food that they talk about, but uh, Carla, who is, like I said before, one of our moderators, she is, um, on Instagram too. Um, she works or not works for, but she uh, does book reviews and stuff for Lit Buzz, but it's, I think it's Carla the Bookstagrammer, but she was telling me that like food is such a part of the, their culture and like a part of their story and their lives and stuff. And, and they really are like, it, it's, it, like I, you cannot read this book without getting hungry. I dare you, but I've just, I've enjoyed it so much. It's so different than it's, it's like a contemporary romance, a little rom-com, but also really sweet and just soft and so different than the last few books that I've read that it's not serious, but it's, I just, I'm loving it. Like it's lighthearted. It's easy. You know, it's, it's nice that I can just listen to it when I have time. You know, I'm not like Oh my God, I'm going to lose my mind if I don't turn the page, you know, like I'm not dying over it, but I'm loving the shit out of it. So I highly recommend it. If you haven't read it, you need to. You had me on Ola. It's beautiful. So.
1: I actually didn't read anything while I was away, but I did get quite a collection. (laughs) I did read one thing because I got an arc of it. Yeah, but I think it's out now. I did read Rochelle's um, Dax book, which is which in her MC series, which was fun. Like one of the guys in the series falls for like one of the other guy's younger sister,
0: Ooh. and he like
1: kidnaps her with a plan to impregnate yes. her, so nobody can take him from her. Yes, yes. Now you <laughs> got me. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Oh, fuck yes, I'm in. <laughs> And then um, Sam Crescent has a new high school book. I don't know why I enjoy the shit out of her high school books. Mm-hmm. I think I've talked about the shifter one mm-hmm. where he kind of bullied her or whatever. Yeah, but she has yeah. one out. It's called She's My Everything. And I want to read that one. Mm. And then Eva Lingus, I don't know if I'm saying her name wrong, released mm-hmm. it. Released a bear book. She does all share Um Shifter books, but this one is Taming a Bear. So I was like, okay, I gotta get that
0: one. <laughs> Clearly, I need this. Because like, in the bio, it was
1: like, he's a grumpy bear. I'm like, okay. Okay.
0: okay. Yeah, fun. Twist my arm.
1: <laughs> Twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got all that on my Kindle that are ready to go. Mm-hmm.
0: I saw Katie Rias has a new book coming out.
1: That one came out. I got that one too. <laughs> It came out. I, every time I, I see a release so
0: for her, I'm like, Oh, Mel probably got that.
1: Yeah, I had the pre order because she Uh-oh. always has pre order so yeah, mm-hmm. I got that one on here. <laughs> I just don't want to keep naming like five million. Yeah,
0: no, you're like, I have that and that and that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Jenica had a book too that came out the other day. It was so, it like, I can't even remember what the, the name it's of it shifter was. One. Oh, yes. As the cover on it, I was like, holy shit, that's hot. Mm-hmm. And then Willow Winters had one yesterday that came out. Like, I think it was New Adult. Oh, it's it not the one where it was like the whiskey something. It's like the.
1: I don't know. I think they were holding hands like on a
0: like on a, a swing
1: or something I can't yeah, remember yeah something yes. like that yeah
0: yeah yeah huh. that was it it, was
1: something... it looked really sweet yeah
0: rose whiskey rose I can't remember I got I'm probably butchering that up but
1: yes go if you go to the it. new release post you'll yes find it right there <laughs>
0: This is this is a selfish way to post the new releases. <laughs> I've talked about it before too. Uh Robert Dugani, he writes the Tracy Cross White series that I read. It's the it's like the mystery murder suspense series that I love. First one is called My Sister's Grave and it's about this woman. She loses her sister when she's young. She's like disappears. And they believe like I think I think maybe they I don't I don't think they ever find her body. When she's younger. And so the book starts and she's a woman and she's become a detective. And it was basically because she lost her sister when she was young. And so the book starts with they find a grave in her town and she thinks it's her sister. So she has to go back to like her hometown and revisit everything again. And she's trying to solve her sister's murder. And it's so fucking good. Like it's, it's such so, a like, good series. Sad. It is sad. It's sad and fucked up and twisted. It's so good though. But it's like I think we're like eight books in or something now because she's a detective. So throughout the series, she solves more mysteries and stuff. But that's how the series kicks off, and the first book is just great. And um, the narrator for it is really really good. I love the narrator. On she's got a great voice. It's just, it's been a great read. And part of it too, is that Tracy Crosswhite, the main character, she is, I think she's in her forties. And so she, a few books in, she falls in love with like a guy from her hometown that was like her friend when she was a kid. Okay. Anyways, it happens. I'll just leave it at that. It's interesting to see a woman in her forties, S- sort of f- finding love and, you uh-huh. know, all of that goes along with it. So it's sort of refreshing to read about. She's not, you know, like a young virgin, if you will. She's not an Alexa Riley, uh heroine. She's very much like uh, all about her career and decided to focus on that and her sister's you know legacy and everything so it's a great series if anybody wants to read something if you want a palate cleanser that's not a romance just go get this one that's great there's a new one that came out so he only puts out I think once every year so it's been over a year since he had the last release so these are hefty books too they're a couple hundred pages but I love them I've got that one sitting on the back burner because I know when I start that one, that one's going to be one of the ones where I'm going to want to turn the page faster and faster because I want to know what happens. And it's always great because I hardly ever see the twist coming. So it's always really good. Like I I enjoy the twist on it. Yeah. So there's also um, another book and I'll tell you about that one in a minute. I have something I wanted to say before we get into emails because somebody emailed me about a book and I downloaded it. So I had therapy last week. And I was telling my doctor about uh, my whole process on going for the ADD testing, and I told you about—I think we talked about it on the podcast too, like the the you know the whole process of it. and So Because I just want to be really transparent for anybody who's curious about it that wants to go through this process. This has been my journey, so you know, go back and listen to a few episodes, and I'm sure I'm talking about it all the time. But one thing my therapist said that really stuck with me. After telling her about this experience and she said, you know, right now the language is changing for people with ADD. And she said, and instead we're calling that we're calling it neurodiverse instead of saying it's a disorder. Mm -hmm. And she said, and it really is trying to be have a more respectful language of people that learn differently. And instead of saying like, Oh, you have attention deficit disorder, you're neurodiverse, you learn differently. And I was like, like, I just blinked at her. <laughs> I was like, what?
1: <laughs> I mean, it makes like,
0: sense. It makes total fucking sense. I was like, why did I, like, I wish I would have had access to this knowledge <sighs> a long fucking time ago, you know? For somebody just to say, like, oh, your brain is just different. You don't have a disorder.
1: You yeah, it's just different. Yeah.
0: It's just that small change in language okay. that really just it astounded me.
1: Yeah. It makes a when you say disorder, it almost makes it seem like it's wrong or. Yeah. Like it's You're broken. not correct. You're broken. You're flawed. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is not. Saying... You can't
1: control how your brain thinks. Yeah. Like I
0: have any way to fix my brain. that was something she was telling me too with like. ADD or being neurodiverse, she said, you know, that the only way to fix that is with medication. She was like, it's not something you can change based on diet and exercise. It's not like, you know, there's not a hyperactivity with it. Your brain is not able to do this. And I was just like, oh, like that makes total sense. So I just thought that was really helpful for me. So if you're listening and you have thought about, you know, that you have a disorder, think of yourself as neurodiverse. And I just thought it was great.
1: Yeah, there's all kinds of tests you can even take online just to learn that I've done, just to learn how I think in general. And it will actually tell me where I need to focus and what things I might miss. And that's just helpful in itself because it may not be as big as ADHD, but everybody learns a little bit differently and is better at different things. And to know that you can really make sure you're filling in those gaps for yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I still don't know what my test results results are. I won't know till I think it's next Monday. Yeah, the, this coming Monday. I'll go and I'll find out. But, you know, even if it doesn't say, like, classified as this, I feel at least better, like you say, knowing what my tendencies are, where my weaknesses are, like, things I can potentially do for myself to help. Like, you know, there's a lot of different things, but I have come to realize like the language I use to describe myself Mm -hmm. is really powerful. And so saying something like neurodiverse is, is really big for me to, it's a, it makes a big difference in my brain to me and how I talk to myself. And hello, cat. (laughs) Hi, buddy. Look at this little chunker. Just
1: little chunky bunky. If you're watching the time. video, you can see Leah's cat. <laughs> he just jumped pot.
0: up. You know, also, there was a landscaper outside today, and I'm laughing, but it's not fucking funny. I was coming inside, and I had like groceries and stuff, and the 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 landscaper was out there. And he like stops what he's doing. He's like, "Hey, let me give you a card." And I was like, "Okay, cool, thanks." Like I'm, you know, going in the house. He's like, "If you ever need anything," I was like, "Look, I know my yard looks like shit, but okay." <laughs> but so he gives me his card or whatever. I'm like, "Thanks." And I start to turn around. He's like, "Yeah, I dude, do, I do quotes all over town." Blah blah. He was like, "This other t- this other crew over here, they quoted this guy like like twenty thousand dollars." I was just fucking. And he says the R word, and I was just like, like, like I. I just stood there. I was like, Did you just say that? Like the I R like,
1: word? Like he said, I don't want to say uh, it. I was like I was like, What is the R word? No, I
0: don't want to say it. It's so awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like people with Down syndrome, like a, yeah. a derogatory term for people with Down syndrome. Yeah. And so he says that and I like it just was like a knee-jerk reaction. I was like, Okay. And I just like went in my house and I was like, do people say that? Like, is that? Like people always still say that, right? Like, oh, it just—I don't know—it made me cringe I've so had much. A, you know? I've
1: correct people. Yeah, yeah. Th- recently.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! But anyways, like it's so it's it, words are very powerful. They I just want to say powerful. that because, like, that was immediately like I'm just gonna put that card in the trash. Like that's yeah. just I can't handle that. So, you know, when when I hear something like that, like I have a physical reaction to it. Yeah. So. When I talk to myself and I say like, "Oh, you're stupid," or "Oh, God, Leah, you're so dumb," like, like that, it doesn't have that reaction as as much because I'm I'm hearing it from me. But when I hear like my therapist say "neurodiverse," I'm like, "Oh my God!" Like that feels so gentle. Yeah. So I just you know be aware of like the words you say and especially and the tone the words you say them yeah yeah who you say them to Jesus (laughs) so anyways like that was that was one that jumped up at me today and I was like oh my god Anyways, back to the book, though. I wanted to mention the book I'm listening to. Okay. This says, When Facebook takes up your whole day. That's the title of it. Leah, your conversation about Facebook stealing hours of your time spoke to my soul. I used to spend it to seven hours a day on Instagram. You are definitely not alone. Most Americans spend more time than four hours every day on their phone. This is the little book I use to change the way I interact with my apps and shit. <laughs> and shit. I love that she said that. It literally changed my life. So I go out of my way to recommend it to others. I should honestly get paid for my advertising services. (laughs) It's called How to Break Up with Your Phone by Catherine Price. And I downloaded it in audio. It's 192 pages. Easy. It's 192 pages. It's an easy 30-day reset. And she's got it as $5. I can't remember how much the audio was on it. I had a credit. It says, it sounds like clicky bait self-help, but actually this book will give you simple effective steps to intentionally create a new set of habits with your technology, one that you choose. Instead of the habits, we have all slowly been taught by phone designers and social media companies. You're right. There's a reason TikTok doesn't show you the time. If you don't feel like reading anything self-helpy, just know that app timers are built into both iPhones and Androids, so you don't even need to install anything to start changing the amount of time you give Facebook. Much love, Jessica. So thank you so much for sending that. I downloaded that audio when I got the email. So I'm going to listen to it. It's, it's, I'm going to listen to it after you had me, Allah. I just, I found that really interesting. We got a lot of good feedback about that when um, we had that conversation about apps and how much time we use and how I deleted everybody from my Facebook. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to, to look at it now and to, yeah, like I've been off of it for, you know, it's, it's been a week or two, I guess. To not have anybody on it. And I'm definitely not on it scrolling, like, doom scrolling as much as I did before. And, you know, I felt I was worried that I would go on Instagram and just spend all my time on that. Uh Uh-huh. And I will say, like, I'm probably on Instagram the same amount of time. But I do feel more active in what I search. Like when I would go on Facebook, it would always be like, Oh, let me go look at my ex boyfriend's girlfriend whose profile is unlocked. You know? <laughs> I'm like, not the only one that does that? No, you're not, <laughs> you're not the only one. So, like, you know, like that kind of shit. Like, that's unhelpful and it's unhealthy. So like I don't I like do to look at my
1: husband's ex. I'm like, look at this. You dodged
0: a fucking <laughs> bullet. <laughs> I love that. I'll have to tell you something later when we stop recording. (laughs) So like that's the kind of shit I would look up on Facebook. When I go on Instagram now, like I'm searching for stuff, but like it's definitely more intentional. Like the hashtags I seek out or like different causes or actions. Like like I had a committee meeting tonight with the city. I've, I've mentioned it before. I'm on an event planning committee here in my hometown and we help plan events for the city. And one of the things that I always try to do every meeting we come to is when we're looking for vendors. So like, let's say we're trying to get food trucks for this um, outdoor, like a uh, movie night or whatever we're planning. I always go to Instagram and I go to CLT Black Owned and it's Black Owned Businesses in Charlotte. And I go through, I go on their Instagram and I search for food trucks. Or I'll search for like restaurants or, or whatever it is, I'll go through the vendors on there and I'll look and I'll say, okay, these are some black owned businesses that we can bring to this event. Because it's
1: really great idea.
0: Yeah. Because like that's what that's what I feel like social media has a great use for. It's one of the great uses. But also because I don't know that anybody else on this committee is purposefully doing that, you know? Like, I think they're just like, oh, well, these are a list of our vendors that we generally use. Let's just call through this list. And I'm like, oh, here's some new ones. And they're all like, this is great. Like, everybody's awesome on this committee. I have to say, anything I bring forward, they're like, yep, 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 let's do this. So another, this is just another reminder. Please, please get involved in your cities, in your communities. Be a part of these things because, if someone's not there pushing for black and minority owned businesses, women-owned businesses, if the if somebody's not pushing for this, yeah. who's gonna speak up for them? You know, like like these are things that are so important. You know, there's oh my god, there's this amazing place in my town, and it's called Micah's Sweet Shop or Micah's Sweet Escape. And this woman opened this candy store, like shop. It's, like, candy and ice cream, and, like, they have the, all these really cool desserts, like, cotton candy on them and stuff. You would fucking love this place. It's I know. Just I like, was like,
1: this sounds like me. I know.
0: It's, like, a sugar mecca. It's so good. But she opened it because her daughter was her daughter was young, and she died, and she wanted to do something. It's, like, a memorial to her. So she opened up this sweet little sweet shop, and it's the cutest, and they have the best stuff. And, like, she was one of the vendors. Like, she was one of the first people i called. She's a woman. She's a black-owned business. I was like... I was like, hey, do you think you could come to this event? She's like, absolutely. I've been looking for somewhere where I can like do a food truck. And so like she ended up coming and it was great. And it was like, who who would have thought to call her otherwise, yeah. you know? So it's like, I just think like that it's just so important to, to be a part of the change you wish to see or whatever, you know, that's saying like be the change you want to see. But yeah, like I think social media can be used for so many good things in that way and how we communicate and how we gather and we talk and and all this stuff like it it has its purpose and I hope to find more good resources for that reason so so yeah I just really appreciated uh, Jessica sending that email about the book and I'm definitely gonna listen to it I'm I'm gonna give it a shot and see what it says tell me all the all the tips and hacks on social media <laughs> so, I only
1: had a problem with the TikTok and I just deleted it <laughs> but you don't like need that one Facebook and We have to be on
0: those. I know, I know. That's that's the hard part. It's like, but you know what though? It's I love the like our like our headquarters group. I fucking love that group. It's my favorite thing on Facebook. So it's like I didn't want to lose that. I wanted to lose. The the self doubt, the like the FOMO, the like, oh, I'm not good enough, like, oh they're oh I didn't get invited. Like they all went out to dinner, nobody asked me to go. You know, like I wanted to get rid of that shit. I don't
1: what is FOMO? I think I've seen that before.
0: Feeling of missing out. Oh. It's the initials for it.
1: Oh. I think I like to miss out. <laughs> you do, but
0: if you saw like, let's say you saw your friend, like, out, you know, eating grilled cheese sandwiches at this one place. She'd be like, well, fuck, I really want to do that right now. <laughs> and it would be that feeling of, like, I didn't get to do that with her today. That makes me sad. I wish I could do that with her today. You know, yeah. like, it's that little shit that, that I'm just like. And then I'll get, like, fucking narratives in my head that I'm like, oh, they probably went without me because they don't like me anymore because they think I'm a bitch. You know, like, and that's not even true. Like, it's not even about me, but I'm yeah. so fucking self-centered that I'm like, nobody loves me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, that, so the, but the good thing about Facebook is removing all of that. I got to keep the best part, <laughs> which is headquarters. I fucking love it. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to do another email. This one says, bachelorette parties. Hey, lady DJs. Last week, I was reading Rochelle Pages, Sucked Into Love, and when the heroine put on a suck it, suck for a buck t-shirt. I just read that. Did you suck for a buck t-shirt at her bachelorette party? I literally laughed out loud. It brought me straight back to my own bachelorette party 23 years ago, where my crazy friends made me wear that same shirt. Having random guys suck and bite lifesavers. What? You've off never done f- suck for a buck? No. Get it's really not that bad. Me. Oh my God. Lifesavers off the front of my t-shirt was totally shocking, but that wasn't even the most embarrassing thing that happened to me that evening. Runner up at B when the stripper at the club we were at unexpectedly reached and in, reached into both arm openings of my shirt, unhooked my bra and pulled it out within 30 seconds to show the entire audience. <gasps> But by far the most incredibly embarrassing event was running into one of my old high school teachers at the bar and then having his friend do a body shot off me. It was one of a series of dares given to me by my bridesmaids. I don't know if it was because I was the first of my friends to get married and they wanted to go all out or what, but my bachelorette party was totally insane. It sounds like it, It girl. It sounds like it. Even though they took me way outside my comfort zone that night, I had a great time, and I'm so grateful to have those memories. That got me thinking: What are some crazy stories from your own bachelorette parties that you can share? Can't wait to hear about them. A loyal lady listener, J.C. Holy shit!
1: I don't know if my husband would murder me if somebody took my bra (laughs) off. They would pull
0: out the rattiest, like ugliest.
1: He would reach in there and he's like, this is
0: a fucking sports bra. <laughs> They'd go in mine and pull it out and be like, does a grandma wear
1: this? i just be like, do you
0: know how good my tits are? Okay, lay off me. Did you have a bachelorette party? Did you ever no, do
1: one? I've thrown some. Mm-hmm. And I've done the suck for a buck, definitely. I've not done that. So, yeah, you did the suck for a buck. It's just lightsabers. It's really kind of innocent. You do the sucker bouquet. It
0: sounds like it. <laughs>
1: I mean, I wouldn't put one
0: on, like I said, my husband would murder me, but you can wear it. I know. We had, I had, LB threw me a bachelorette party. It was in Atlanta. We drove down to it. It was fucking awesome. It was awesome. My friend Wendy rented a limo. We all dressed up like Catholic schoolgirls. Awesome. We bar hopped. It was awesome. It was, a, it was a fucking great night. At one point, I remember just being trashed in the back of the limo, and, like, LB and I, like, somehow fell in the floor. And she tells me this, that I look up at her, and I was like, and I said something like, I smell crotch, and I don't know if it's yours or
1: mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's great.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, after a good. night of dancing, the thighs rubbing together. It may not be the best of <laughs>
0: am yeah, this <laughs> happens sister it's okay well we're
1: in like plaid mini
0: skirts yeah and white button-up t-shirts pigtails I had like rosaries all over my neck like I don't know what the <laughs> fuck it was insane it was absolutely insane. it was so awesome there was like I think there was like 12 of us there was a huge group that went. it was a ton of fun I think we stayed in one hotel room oh my god <laughs> no, it was insane It was a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah. This is a good time. awesome. It was also 12 years ago Sunday. Well, I got married 12 years ago Sunday, so it was probably around this time. Yeah. So, I'll save the other emails for next week. We're kind of running over on time, so... And I just want to mention again, uh, make sure you enter to win Sky Warren's giveaway. She's doing the uh, paperback copy of, um, or the signed paperback of Private Property. It's open internationally, so everybody can enter to win. Make sure you follow along and see all the books and stuff in the promo we do for her this week, and we talk about her favorite books and stuff that we'll, we'll post up and tell you how to get them, so follow us on social media for it. And we're going to play the second installment right now of Heavy Equipment, and then I guess we'll see you on the other side.
2: (laughs) Chapter 3 I must have fallen asleep because I wake up draped over Asher Cook's body. I push myself up, palms against his chest, unable to ignore the hard shift of muscle beneath his soft white t shirt. We're not well matched, him and I. He's wearing jeans and boots, I'm in a limited edition Gucci evening gown and low-heeled sandals I slipped on as we walked out the front door. He's made from muscle on top of muscle. I'm slender and shaking. I rub the sleep from my eyes, determined not to appear weak. Where are we? He flips the key in the ignition. My house. That's enough to snap me awake. If I would have pictured Asher Cook's house, I'm not sure I could have. He seems like he'd be at home among concrete and steel. Maybe some bricks in the background, stacked halfway up. He fits into construction so well that it's strange to imagine him somewhere fully built. Maybe I would have guessed someplace cheap, like a trailer park. I didn't think of myself as a snob, but as I look at the rambling Tudor-style home with ivy curling up the side, I'm forced to confront my own preconceived notions. This man has money, and what's more, he has taste. The house looks like something out of a magazine with its timber frame and diamond patterned windows. Sun rays fold over the thatched roof, orange and purple and red. A bittersweet farewell. Asher seems inured to the romance of the sunset, He acts brusque when he crosses the front of the truck and opens my door, businesslike, as he helps me down, almost impatient as he leads me into the house, as if he regrets having me here. That suspicion is confirmed when he hurries me through the darkened foyer and up shadowed stairs. A small room near the end of the hallway contains only a bed, its white lace coverlet such a sharp contrast to the man standing in front of me. You'll sleep here, he says his expression impassive. There's a finality to his tone, as if he's saying goodnight. It's strange to feel disappointed that he isn't going to have sex with me. My body still hums with the memory of his words, the frantic way that I rubbed myself while he watched. Is that it? I say, hoping I hide my dismay. He reaches out a hand, fingertips soft against my temple, And I can't help but jump. You're too busy being afraid of me to enjoy this. And I do plan on enjoying you, June. There's a knot in my throat. It's hard to swallow around it. Oh, I don't suppose a little goodnight kiss would hurt, would it? The question doesn't seem to need an answer. Not when his head lowers, blocking out the faint light of the moon. Not when his lips brush mine. Time slows down, so I can feel his soft breath against my lips, more gentle than a man his size has any right to be. I can feel the cushion of his lower lip. I let myself sink into him, without guilt or doubt. For this moment, I push away the reason I'm in his house. There's only his quiet request let me in, open for me. And my acquiescence, parting my lips. Pleasure gives way to a soft moan. His, mine. There's surprise that it could be like this. Chemistry? We have chemistry, but that's only electrons and protons. This is something else. Tenderness. I'm the one who pulls back. I find my balance against a wall with priceless art I vaguely recognize from a museum benefit auction last year. It's sacrilege to lean on a piece like this, to touch it with bare hands, to feel the brushstrokes abrade my palm. But I'm incapable of holding myself up. And I can't trust the man in front of me, not for one second more. He stands where I left him, his expression one of bemusement. He touches his lower lip with two fingers. What does he feel there? My kiss, my naivete, most likely. How quickly I surrendered. You're dangerous, he says, his voice uneven. Me? You're like 200 pounds of muscle. What could I do to you? He rubs his jaw, looking away. I guess we'll see, he murmurs. Time for bed, beautiful. When this night began, I never would have expected the flick of anticipation low in my belly. Asher has already proven he can make me enjoy this. The dates my daddy arranged? They never made me feel anything but duty. Certainly not this all-consuming fire that spreads and spreads. I sit down on the edge of the bed, unsure where to begin. Do I undress? Or do I wait for him to undress me? There was no mother to give me the birds and the bees talk. She died years ago, but her spirit left a long time before that. On a good day, she would tell me the parables about frogs and tigers. There would be gossip about people I didn't know. Sometimes the stories would blend together until I wasn't sure which was fiction or fact. Maybe she didn't know either. On a bad day, She wouldn't speak at all. I learned to manage the household before my feet could touch the floor at our dining room table. I planned parties and hired staff. Papa was too busy with Lee Industries, so I was the only one left. That's how I ended up in this room, I suppose. If the business was failing, if Papa had run out of ideas, I was the only one left. Asher crouches down in front of me, and I hold my breath, waiting, waiting. He hooks one arm behind my calves and pushes me lengthways on the bed, his movements brusque, unceremonious, and definitely unsexy. A sweep of his arm, and then I'm covered with the sheet. Good night, he says, already turning toward the door. Wait, he stops, his back toward me. Yes? I have the sense that he's afraid, which doesn't make any sense. I'm the one who should be terrified. I should be shaking beneath these covers and grateful that he's giving me a reprieve. Instead, I'm disappointed. You're dangerous, he said to me. What could he possibly be afraid of? You're just going to leave? Finally, he faces me, his expression impassive. I told you not to think about one fuck or two. This is going to be a long-term arrangement, you and me. I'll use you plenty before it's over. I flinch. You like scaring me on purpose. A short laugh. I thought you liked me scary. I thought that got you off. This night has been strange. Surreal, even and I think I've done a good job going with the very weird flow. I've been a good daughter about as much as I can take. All I have now is rebellion. I don't see you getting me off right now. Looks to me like you're running away. Challenge arcs through the air like electricity. He's made of metal in this moment. He feels every bit of my anger, but he isn't burned by it. Instead, he smiles, slow and full of promise. You're right, he says, silky venom in his voice. You're a little tense tonight. Understandable, really. I can help you relax, beautiful. Would you like that? It isn't really a question. Not when he's already pulling the sheet away. Two fingers tap my ass. Turn over. I'm obeying him without really knowing what comes next, not until he pushes a large pillow between my legs. His hands are rough as he props my ass in the air. You ever masturbate like this? I'm kneeling on the bed with a pillow wedged against my sex. My cheeks burn at the implication, both that I might have come this way under cover of night and that I'll come this way now. No, I say, drawing out the word. You don't sound sure, he says in a low laugh. I'm too embarrassed to admit that I've done this. Too embarrassed to move until he gives me a sharp slap on my ass. Pain yanks a high-pitched noise from me, and I move in an awkward jerk against the pillow. It isn't a pleasant friction. It feels like not enough, not enough, not enough. Asher slaps me again, this time on the underside of my ass. It hurts more there, the burn sharp and deep. I moan and move forward, just to escape him, and move back again, because part of me likes the pain. Then I'm rocking against the pillow, moving mindless and unafraid. I hear the whistle of his hand. I know the pain is coming. And still it takes me by surprise, right between my legs. He slapped me. There. He slaps me hard enough that I cry out, muffling my scream into the pillow. I speed up, and he slaps me again. I don't know whether he's punishing or rewarding me. It feels like both as I barrel toward climax, the pillow tight and hot between my legs, my mind too lust drunk to care about how humiliating I must look right now. When it comes, climax is a soft wave, ocean water reaching over my face. Closing over my nose, until I can't take a breath anymore. Can't see anything beyond the wavery underwater. And then, I drift down, 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 into sleep. Chapter Four I wake up when it's still dark outside. I've always been an early riser, and according to the antique clock on the wall, today is no different. I stumble to the bathroom where I'm shocked fully awake by the sight of my favorite L'Occitane toiletries. He wasn't joking about how long he'd been preparing for this. I don't know whether to be flattered that he wanted me to be comfortable or terrified that he knows so much about me when I don't even know his middle name. The familiar citrusy scent soothes me despite my worries, and I step out of the steaming shower with a towel around my body. The closet contains full racks of clothes I would have bought at Ann Taylor in Banana Republic. I prefer simple clothes, like the cream cable knit sweater and plaid slacks I pull from their hangers. Red Ralph Lauren pointed toe pumps from the shoe rack will be the only pop of color. I open a wooden drawer and freeze. Asher has been spot on about the things I like so far, but this underwear isn't anything I would have picked out for myself. There are no full coverage neutral briefs or black bikini panties that will hide neatly beneath my clothes. There's lace and patterns and ruffles. One pair of panties has a little eyedrop cut out in the front beneath the waistband. It hardly reveals a full square centimeter of skin, but the thought of wearing it makes me feel naked. The thongs are made of satin so soft, they make me think I might actually enjoy wearing them. It gets stranger when I try to find a bra to wear. There aren't any. As I search through the drawers, I find stockings and garters, scarves, even a hat, which is surprisingly cute. But there isn't a damn bra in the entire walk-in closet. Problem, comes a low voice from behind me. I whirl, clutching the towel close to me, using the clothes I haven't yet put on as a shield. What are you doing here? Thought I'd come wake you, but you're already up. Excellent. I have to be at the work site by 7am or the guys get the idea they can be late too. There aren't any bras, I say, my cheeks flaming. I did embarrassing things last night. I climaxed again and again, against the wall of my childhood home, in the cab of his truck while humping a pillow on the bed ten feet away from us. But discussing my underwear with him feels more intimate. An eyebrow lifts. You don't need one. I stare at him, more shocked in this moment than when Nathan and snapped the strap of my training bra in sixth grade. What's this for? He said. You don't have anything to put in it. I've always been flat despite the multitude of push-ups I tried through middle school, the padded bras in high school. And I've mostly accepted that shortcoming, at least until Asher Cook looks at me with calm refusal. Excuse me, I manage to say. I'm the one who decides that. He gives me a half smile, completely unfazed. That's where you're wrong. I'm the one who decides what you wear and for how long. I'm the one who's going to tear that off you. But those pretty little tits you're hiding under that towel, I want access to them any time of the day. Pretty little tits? I'm flat. He shakes his head. You're small, and I'm big. And you know what? I think you like that. I think it makes your tight pussy even tighter thinking of how I could overpower you. A shiver runs through me, and he's not entirely wrong. There's pleasure, and there's fear, which only serves to make it sharper. What would it be like if he didn't let me out of the closet? What would happen if he demanded that I drop the towel? My fist tightens on the thick cloth, because I already know what would happen. I would fight him. I would lose. His soft laugh fills the room. The hair on the back of my neck rises. Come downstairs, he says, already turning away. We have a full day ahead of us. I can't wait. Chapter 5 Fabric rubs against my breasts with every small movement, leaving them tender. I cheated ever so slightly wearing a thin camisole beneath the cable-knit sweater in lieu of a bra. The plan backfires because the silk brushes against my nipples. By the time I walk downstairs, my nipples are hard and jutting up against the heavy fabric. Awareness of my breasts spreads and spreads until I'm standing in a strange room, thinking of nothing but my pretty little tits. That's what he called them, and for the first time I actually believe that might be true. They might be pretty and little. They might be small if he were to caress them with his large, calloused hands. Asher stands with his back to me, broad shoulders encased in a white t-shirt and a fresh pair of jeans. His boots complete a look I know is designed entirely from utility. That's what this man is made of, work and strength and determination. But around him, that's a different story. There are paintings on every wall, some taller than me, all of them museum quality. The one he's looking at is a painting of a cherry blossom tree in full bloom, the flowers swirling around, so lifelike you can almost smell the bittersweet scent of them. We need to talk, I say, stepping into the room. I've donned my armor in the form of clothes. I won't be cowering in a towel for this conversation, and I'm not going to let him distract me with sex. He turns, his eyes alight with amusement. We can talk on the way to the work site. I take a step forward. Why do I need to come with you? Because, he says with exaggerated patience, one or two bucks. They aren't going to pay for what your daddy owes me. It's going to take a lot more than that. So you want what? An assistant? His laugh is molten steel. Yes, exactly. You're going to assist me. Bullshit. You want to show me off so the whole city knows my father owes you money. You want to humiliate my family. But I'm not going to let you do that. You aren't? What kind of fool do you take me for? I'm not going to agree to any deal that's indefinite or that harms our ability to do business in the future. If you want me to pay with my body, fine. Then you tell me exactly how many nights it will take to work off the money. He turns to look back at the cherry blossom. It would have been easier for you if your father told you. Suspicion is a dark churn in my stomach. Told me what? That there's no end date. He wouldn't have. My throat is too tight to speak. He wouldn't have made a deal like that except I didn't think he would make a deal like this, either. I'm not sure what my father's capable of anymore. I look around the room with fresh eyes, seeing the incredible quality of artwork displayed here. Art I've seen in studios around the city. Artists I recognize who work out of New York City and London. He drives a completely ordinary truck. He wears ordinary clothes, but he has art like this hanging on his wall. This is the kind of wealth that isn't meant to show off. It's been spent on things he enjoys. And I'm becoming very afraid that I'm his latest acquisition. What would my father have told me? I ask, relieved that my voice doesn't shake. This isn't for one night or two. He turns to face me, his expression grave. It's for your hand in marriage we're engaged, beautiful. We're going to be married. I stare at him, uncomprehending. But that's impossible. A humorless smile. Because I'm a dirty construction worker, and you're the beautiful June Lee. My father would have told me that. He was supposed to. And last night, I was going to have a conversation with you. Instead, you acted like I was beneath the dirt on your shoes. And your father pretended like I was some kind of monster. My chest feels tight. I didn't know. No, you didn't. It wasn't your fault, but I suppose I felt like punishing you for that. So I acted like I was there to fuck you for a few thousand dollars a pop. Another hollow laugh. Of course, I didn't realize that the scariest thing for you would be marriage to me. This is the man from my foyer last night, the one uncompromising and almost cruel. Part of me wants to reassure him. It comes from hurt, this coldness, except what he's saying is too true to deny. It is terrifying to realize I've been married away without my consent, even in this century, terrifying that it could have happened without me even knowing oh i'm sure i could refuse to get married at the altar i don't think my situation is so far gone that i can't but what would i do if i'm not honoring my father i'm supposed to be the good daughter i've lost my family and my identity in one night let's go asher says his voice like steel he opens the front door and makes a mocking bow for me to step through. It's time to go to work. He means his work site, where he shows up on time so his men don't get the idea they can be late. And he also means work for me, because that's what this marriage has become. My obligation, my duty. The only way to honor a heritage I believe in, to marry a man who sees me as an object to acquire. Chapter six. Asher Cook is in his element on a work site. He speaks to his crew with a natural sense of command, and they look to him for leadership. And he's not above getting his hands dirty. We're only at the half-constructed building for 20 minutes before he has a tool belt wrapped around narrow hips and a hard hat on his head. Something is wrong in the ceiling, or so I deduce from the general waving of hands. I've been deposited in the corner where I can be out of the way. Stay here he tells me in a gruff tone without meeting my eyes. He does not wait for anything as mundane as a ladder. Instead, he jumps to clasp the edge of the ceiling beam, then levers himself up with strength I can only admire. He flips himself onto the beam and then walks to the other end, as casual on the ground as he is 20 feet above it. I have to force myself to unclench my fists. It could be concern for any passing stranger, but I know it's not. I know it's more. Something changed between me and Asher. It's not just about sex anymore, and it's not just about duty. Which is why I don't obey him. I wait until he turns around, still 20 feet off the ground and on the other side of the floor. That's when I stand up and stretch. Even from this far away, his gaze caresses me with undeniable heat. My nipples pebble against the fabric. They won't be visible beneath the texture of the cable knit sweater but I pull it over my head leaving me in only the thin ivory camisole. There's more than just one dark gaze on me now. Many of the men are looking at me. They don't dare say anything. Not since I came with Asher Cook. I'm not a lost little lamb in a schoolgirl outfit. No, I'm a woman now and my nipples press proudly against the silk, declaring my readiness. The problems in the ceiling aren't the focus of the men anymore. Conversation quiets and then becomes ringing silence. My cheeks burn, but I started this for a reason. Because my father could have introduced me to Asher at a dinner party, he could have asked me to date him, he could have even told me to marry him. I would have done it as the good daughter. Instead, He sabotaged any chance of a normal relationship. If I asked him why, he would say it was for the family honor. I know the truth. It was cowardice. And this? My heart beating faster, my chest rising and falling, my nipples proud and firm beneath the thin silk. This takes courage. My arms reach above my head, stretching for the world to see. It could not be more blatant. Even though I'm wearing plaid slacks and my hair is done in a bun, it could not be more sexual. Even if I were stripping at a club in a thong, I could not feel more inviting than this. That's how I turn away from the men, feeling their desire like a tether, and then snap. Walking away from it, someone will follow. I stride blindly down a half-built corridor, not knowing where to go from here. This is how I ran away from the men all those years ago, my heart beating too fast, my body thrumming with urges I didn't fully understand. It's different now, because I'm running towards something. A water fountain, still wrapped in heavy plastic, is the only indication that I've found the restrooms. I slip inside, relieved that there are actually stalls and sinks, even though the walls are unfinished. Heavy footsteps approach, and I dash into a stall. My fingers fumble with the lock. It could be anyone outside that door. A stranger? A dangerous man? It's not only part of the game. What if Asher Cook didn't like my little show back there? He could have turned around and continued working. He could have let one of his men follow me instead. A low chuckle bounces off the tile, and I shiver with relief because I recognize him. Anticipation races up my spine. My breath becomes quicker. I know you're in here. You may as well come out and make it easy on yourself. More footsteps, and I lean against the door, too afraid to make a sound. The lock isn't working right. I think the door isn't aligned. There's nothing stopping him from coming in except my weight. Or you can make it harder on yourself, he says, stopping outside my stall. Maybe you'd enjoy that. Maybe you like getting men all riled up thinking about them touching you with their dirty hands. A knot in my throat. No, I say, my voice breaking. That's not true. There's a shift in the metal, and I realize he's touching the door on the opposite side. Only an inch separates us. I suppose we'll find out, he says, soft enough I have to strain to hear. When I touch your pussy, we'll find out if this is getting you wet won't we? There's a clench between my legs and I know exactly what he's going to find. Don't. The stall door opens despite my weight, inexorably, inevitably, until I'm standing there in front of him. His white t-shirt has black smudges that weren't there before. It looks somehow more obscene than even my silk camisole with no bra beneath it. In his gaze, I find an unexpected tenderness. Don't what? He asks, his voice gentle. How far do I want this game to go? I don't know. It's a little late to ask for mercy, beautiful. I'm doing more than asking. I'm begging, after he made me come three times last night. He looks hard as steel beneath those jeans, and he didn't climax even once. Slowly, slowly, I sink to my knees in the half-built bathroom. Asher's eyes flash. What are you doing? You're right, I whisper, my gaze on his. I do enjoy getting the men all riled up. I like thinking about the dirty things they'd make me do if they'd trap me in a room like this. He takes a step closer, his body inches from mine. Show me. My hands are clumsy on his belt buckle, but he makes no move to help me. He stands there like a god passing judgment. The tile is hard and cold beneath my knees. It makes this sharper, sweeter. The denim strains against the length of him. My hands tremble as I tug the zipper down, half afraid I'll hurt him, half afraid he'll hurt me. That's what this is, a form of battle. One of us is going to lose. There's another layer a thin gray cotton. It stretches obscenely around the shape of his cock. I can see the shape of him with the vein underneath. I can see the outline of the flared head and a drop of precum darkening the cotton to black. It makes me bolder, seeing the power I have over him. I hook my fingers into the band of his underwear and pull down. My knuckles brush the hot iron brand of his cock and both of us suck in a breath. Then his cock juts away from his body, proud and hard, and far too big to fit into my mouth. Without thinking, I lick my lips, as if readying myself. His dark gaze tracks my tongue. It's a little late to ask for mercy, beautiful. His cock jerks when I touch it, as if it's alive, and I make a high-pitched sound of surprise. And I have to force myself to touch him again. The warm skin moves beneath my fingertips, almost like velvet encasing steel. A solid construction, this cock, the core of him built to withstand anything. Built to withstand my tongue, when I reach out and touch the tip, bitter salt flavor bursts in my mouth. Jesus, he mutters, almost restless. His hands are in the air, those hands made strong and calloused with work, as if he doesn't know where to put them. In my hair, that's what he decides. He strokes my hair, gentle, gentle, and then hard, a sudden yank that makes me gasp. Tears prick my eyes. You can take more, he says, uncompromising. I open my mouth wider and push myself forward, letting my body open to him in the most natural way, letting the feminine softness of me surrender to the masculine hardness of him. The flare of his cock rubs against my tongue and I flick him in retaliation. He swears in a long, obscene string. Too much, I say, the words too muffled to understand. He understands anyway, shaking his head and rocking his hips forward. This is what happens to little girls who tease big, strong construction workers. You walk around with that tight little body. What do you think is gonna happen? This. A deep thrust makes me gag, and I sputter around his cock, inelegant, defiled. Wait, I say, pushing away, shaking my head. I didn't know how far I wanted the game to go, but now I know. All the way. That's how far. And for that to happen, I have to fight him. And he has to fight back. A cruel smile curves his lips. He reaches down to yank at the silky fabric of my camisole. Cool air brushes over my hard nipples. (sighs) What are we going to wait for? He asks, mocking. I can tell you want this. Look at your tits. They're begging for me to touch them. He does more than touch them. He pinches my nipple, hard. I gasp, and he uses the moment to shove his cock back inside my mouth. I could bite him if I wanted him to stop. But I don't want that. It's harder to pretend I can't bite him because he'd only get angry. He'd only make this harder on me. The only safe thing to do is please him, and I suck harder. A heavy pressure builds below my stomach, something more severe than pleasure. It feels like an earthquake is coming inside me, and I'm afraid of what happens if I break. I look up at Asher, imploring him, hoping he understands. He watches me suck him, working his cock in and out of my mouth. One hand reaches behind him to tug the white t-shirt off, revealing muscled abs that clench on every flick of my tongue. I can't deny that he likes my breasts, small as they are. He pinches and pinches me until I'm gasping around his cock, rocking my hips, mindless. I'm kneeling on the bathroom floor, and I've never been so turned on in my life. He pulls me to stand and drags the camisole over my head, dropping it to the bathroom floor. My heels are next, my slacks, my lacy red panties. And then I'm standing there, Naked, in a half-constructed bathroom, a whole construction crew not 20 feet away from us. I shiver, but I can't deny the excitement grows deeper. A hand wraps around my neck. He pushes me, flush against the cold tile wall. Then his other hand works between my legs, two fingers pushing up inside me. A strangled sound escapes me, cut off by his mouth against mine. He eats up my protest, my pleasure my pain. When I come, something moves inside me, a seismic shift. I hump his hand to wring out the last flickers of pleasure. He pulls his hand away before I'm done and I moan. Two fingers pull through my wetness, gathering it. He spreads it over his cock. The proof of my desire glistens on his ruddy flesh. He fucks his slickened fist, grunting in a way that's more animal than man. I'll make you dirty, he says, his voice low, like this is a solemn promise. I'll make you fucking dirty on the bathroom floor. Make you come so hard you don't know your name. But when we're done, you're coming home with me. You got that? You're mine. Mine? I should tell him no. I should fight him but I don't want to win that battle. I want to lose. Yes, I whisper. Triumph lights his eyes and he lifts me up. Something blunt nudges at my sex. That's the only warning I get before he thrusts inside me. His hands are firm across my ass, thrusting me forward and back, impaling me on his length. It's Too much, too fast. The only thing I can do is throw my arms around his shoulders and hold on. I press my face into his neck, breathing in the salt, sweat scent of him. Again. He demands, his muscles straining. He's in the middle of his own earthquake. I'm yours, I say, made breathless by his thrusts. And then, louder, again, fucking again, fucking forever. Yours? It's too soon for me to come again. My body is pliant and sated, only here to help Asher come. That's what I think until he changes the angle. His cock jabs at some place inside me, insistent, almost painful. And then my legs start to shake. Wait, wait, wait. I cry, but that only makes him do it faster. Come, he mutters, his face pressed into my neck fucking milk me. I want to feel you calm around me. I want you to gush on my dick. I want to feel it dripping down my balls. Fucking do it. The words are hard and coarse, and that's what makes me climax. My whole body clenches down, giving him exactly what he wanted, an impossible squeeze, the spill of arousal. His roar bounces off the tile. He grasps me against his body, hard enough to leave ten finger-shaped bruises on my ass. We pant in the aftermath, me clinging to him, him holding me back. Again, he says, his voice almost slurred. I turn my face against his, loving the way his bristle scratches my cheek. Yours. His lids are heavy, eyes flashing back. I've been waiting for you, June Lee. He's been waiting for me in the literal sense, waiting for me to be mature enough for this. On some level, I think I was waiting for him too. The good daughter wasn't only obedient, she was also kept guarded. It was a way of keeping myself alone, until him. I drop my hand on his broad chest, and there, in the ripple of muscle, in the coarse hair, over the flat of his male nipples, I write my own four letters, mine. Asher Cook is hard and crude and dirty. I've spent my whole life learning to be good. I've been waiting for you, he said. But I think I've been waiting for him, too. He's the only man who's ever seen through the cable knit sweaters and plaid slacks. The only man with the determination to peel away my layers to the surrender underneath. His broad chest rises and falls in even breath, a blank canvas for what comes next. A dark gaze meets mine. So still and so patient, so determined it makes me shiver because he fills his life with beautiful things. A two-door house with ivy climbing the side. A painting of a cherry blossoms in full bloom. And me, because I belong to him now. I'm his and he's mine.
0: Screw Flirting by Lola West is a small town brother's best friend romance that's on sale for 99 cents. Sometimes you just have to chuck the bro code. Brooke thinks she's practically invisible, with her short hair and baggy overall, she's just one of the guys. She keeps to herself, spends most of her time fixing up her sailboat, and planning her escape from her bizarro hometown. Honestly, in a town overrun with hard-up dudes, being different and unapproachable would suit her just fine if it weren't for her unrelenting crush on her brother's best friend. Jackson is following in his father's footsteps. He's going to be an accountant, but sadly he doesn't even like math. Secretly, he wants to be a writer and not the practical kind. Jackson wants to write fiction, but he's basically never told anyone that, except Brooke. She's the only one he talks to. Cotty thinks about her all the time, that she's his best friend's little sister. This small town is paradise. Beautiful beaches, year-round warm weather, and friendly neighbors. There's only one thing missing, single ladies. It's raining men in spring Florida, and the lonely residents are hungry to find their soulmates. During the month of April, some of your favorite insta-love authors are bringing you stories set in this fictional town where the men significantly outnumber the ladies. Come meet us in spring to find your next book boyfriend. That's Screw Flirting, A Small Town Brother's Best Friend Romance for 99 Cents by Lola West. Go grab it. Welcome
1: back. You got it all now.
0: Yes, you got it all. Now, what will you do with yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you click all those new releases Mel's posting. Don't make her work for nothing. And next week we have Ember Flint. We have a brand new book from her and it's called To Be My Hard-Headed Wife. I know. I'm looking forward to I can't to this. fucking wait. It's gonna be so good. So I'm super excited.
1: I, and the first line is a protective outfit billionaire and a curvy girl small town romance. I'm like, do you, ha- I need a copy of this.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I have the, I have the word doc. I can send it to you if you okay. want. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm super excited. I can't wait to hear it. We don't ever get the audio files until like usually the, the couple days before yeah. the uh, the episodes go live. So we don't ever get to listen to them beforehand. I usually listen on the same day everybody else does on Tuesdays. So, and then I don't get to listen again till Thursday. So it's always a cliffhanger for me too. <laughs> But it's awesome. I can't wait to hear it. So thanks again to Sky for for this book and, and for being on the podcast with us once again. So I guess that's it. Tell them what to do. Buck your day up. Make sure your bitch don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance.